Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing this morning? I felt, I felt the energy on that last song. I felt it from Sewell. I felt it here. I'm sweating. Anybody else sweating? Are you sweating, Efren? Come on. If you ain't sweating, you ain't worshiping, people. That's the rule. Uh, but I hope you're enjoying yourself today, and uh, we got a lot in store today. I'm excited about it. I am, uh, I, was, I was torn. You know, we just got out of a series called uh, The Fight of Your Life. Uh, and not to make me feel good, but I just want to know, did you get anything out of that church? I hope you did. I was really vulnerable again, and hopefully my vulnerability served you in that moment. And, and um, so I was struggling. Everybody say struggling. I was struggling because if I'm honest with you, I didn't know whether or not I should preach what I planned on preaching. See, my family and I, we, uh, we went to Mexico for four days, a really quick trip to Mexico, and don't worry, we got COVID tested before the trip and before we were able to come back. And there was a part of me that wanted to test positive while I was there, so I have to stay in Mexico struggling for Jesus. But I wasn't, we were negative. And, and so um, on, on, the, on the flight there, on the flight back, I just kept on thinking, God, what do you want us to talk about as a church? What do people need in this season as a church? And I kept on getting this theme of his kingdom, his kingdom, which is quite strange because like I'm thinking like, nah, people need like a message on hope, God. People need a message, um, just getting themselves ready for the fall. You know, kids are about to go back to school. Where are my youth at? You ready? Nah, I didn't think so. So, you know, they, they, they need things to, to, to just prepare them for this next season. So I was struggling and then, and then coming back, coming back, because, see, you could take a break for a little bit, but you, you come back, and I kind of hit the ground running, if I'm really honest with you. Um, <laughs> there's a, a family member in our family, extended, in our extended family, that um, basically we're, we're kind of counting down the days. Uh, she has cancer, and she doesn't, she doesn't want to do any more chemo, and so we're just counting down the days. So, so I had to, you know, we, we're wrestling with that as a family. And then even church family members, you know, we're going through, you know, there's a, there's a mom in our church that has cancer. And then there's another mom that just got COVID is in the hospital and another person got COVID. And it's just like, yo, God, can you take me back to Mexico? So I need to preach on something else, right, God? He goes, no, I want you to preach on my kingdom. And I said, God, I think you're wrong. Anybody ever had that conversation? God, I think you're wrong. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be obedient. Um, and, and, in a, and in a coward way, I'm going to say, if you don't like it, then blame God. <laughs> but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach it. Um, and, it. and there was a reminder this week, too, on why I should preach about his kingdom. 
And a few months ago, you guys took something called a, a peak survey. It's something that uh, my wife and I are highly involved in, and it's through our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And we took the peak survey, and so in Sewell or here in Voorhees or online, give me a hand, raise your hand emoji. Raise your hand if you took the survey and you were honest. Give yourself a round of applause. Thank you so much for giving us that feedback. And you can give yourself a little more. Come on, be encouraging. Encourage yourself. <laughs> You went through that, and so here's, here's what we found, okay? Here's, here's the result of the peak assessment. Um, and it might be difficult if you're in our physical location. It might be difficult to see, um, but it judges, uh, it, it assesses us on nine essential elements, and those nine essential elements are spiritual leadership, personal growth, missions focus, loving community, worship gathering, vision alignment, alliance partnership, financial stewardship, and effective organization. Now, the top dark line is the leaders here at the church, how we assess the church, all right? So that's staff, collective leaders, and board members. That's how we assess the church. And the white line, that's you. You're the white line. That's how you assess the church. So first things first, our staff and our leaders think very highly of ourselves. Okay? Um, but if you could see, it kind of, it, on, on the scale, it, it mimics what you guys experience. And so if you see that red box, we drew a red box there just to kind of show you um, our areas of improvement. Now, in the, in the middle section, that just means that it needs like mild improvement. If we were on the bottom section, that means extreme improvement. So even on the average level, we're doing all right, Fervent Church. But I'm an Enneagram 3. I'm an achiever, so we could do better. And the areas that we need to grow, as you can see, is personal growth. Everybody, Sewell and Voorhees, together, I'm, I'm going to make you preach this message with me. Say personal growth. All right. Missions focus. Say missions focus. And loving community. Say loving community. Okay. And, and alliance partnership um, is something that we scored low on, but I just think that it's because um, we need to just step it up in communication of our alliance partnership. We actually have huge alliance partnership. In fact, um, your lead pastor and his wife work for the district um, as well, and we serve the district. So huge alliance partnership. But I, I think we need to communicate that better, so that's why we scored that low. But we do have a high alliance partnership. We, we are, like, best friends with our missionaries in Bordeaux, France, Bridget, uh, Chris and Bridgie Cook. And, and, yeah, you could give it up for them. And so there's a huge alliance partnership, but we just need to do a better job of communicating that. But as you can see, there's personal growth, missions focus. And when I say missions focus, that means like outreach and doing stuff in the community and loving community. Um, that's what we need to focus on. You can take that off for now. Um, so what does that have to do with the kingdom? What does that have to do with the kingdom? Because here's the problem, folks, that when we talk about the kingdom of God, um, we don't have a, a clear concept of that. We just don't. We don't have a clear concept because it's not in our modern-day vocabulary. We don't talk about kingdoms. We talk about government, but we don't talk about kingdoms per se. And so some things get lost in translation. And now, now you guys did a great job of assessing us, but, but can I be your pastor for a second and can I assess you? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I believe as a church... We struggle in these three areas. And when I say as a church, I'm talking about not just specifically our church, but church all across the United States. We struggle in these three areas. 
And here's the sad part. My wife and I, we went to Colorado Springs. Don't worry, we did not eat any edibles. But we went to Colorado Springs to work on something called the Fresh Start Initiative, helping churches kind of restart and get back on their feet, especially post-COVID. And here's a startling statistic, and this is not made up, and this is not an exaggeration. 70% of churches in America are on the decline. 70% of churches are on the decline. 40% of them in the next 12 months are scheduled to close. And can I tell you, as we talk about the kingdom, that should bother us. It bothers me. You want to know why? Because the church is still God's plan A. He hasn't given up on his plan called the church. In fact, remember, he said that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on. All right. So this is plan A. He doesn't have any other plan. He planned that through his son, Jesus that he was going to bring restoration from, between the Father and humanity, and he was going to spread that. He was going to make disciples through his church, a.k.a. you. And 70% on the decline. And I, feel, I believe it's because of three things. You ready? You might not like me for this, but I love you. Can we all just throw in the disclaimer that I love you? The first thing is fragility. Fragility. If you're from the hood, you've gotten soft. We've gotten a little soft. I think there's a bit of fragility here because we've been talking about, like, you know, all oh, the church is getting persecuted. I'm going to have a hard time going to heaven, looking at Stephen and all the early church leaders in the first century and telling them that we went through persecution. We had to wear masks. Oh, yeah? We were crucified upside down. Oh, my bad. <laughs> We're just not. We're not. There's a bit of fragility that stepped in. The other thing is apathy. Some of us, and it's not, it's not all your fault, it's just the way life has taken us through twists and turns in the last two years that we've even gotten apathetic. What does apathetic mean? It's that we just don't care. Some of you, you heard the statistic, 70% of the churches are in a decline. And if you're honest, let's be honest, let's be vulnerable, let's confess. Some of us just did not care. It didn't bother us. It's not your career, so it doesn't really matter. We've gotten a little apathetic. And then the last one, and again, I love you. You know I don't smile that much, but I love you. Online, I love you. We've been selfish. We've gotten selfish. We've been fragile, apathetic, and selfish. Fragile, apathetic, and selfish. And we all just need to recognize that. And here's the way, here's the remedy that we're all going to find together that I have been finding, if I'm really honest with you, and it's all found in the kingdom of God. Jesus mentioned the kingdom. You ready for this one? 126 times. 126 times. Jesus, the son of God, the one that we declare is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When he preached, he preached 126 times about something called the kingdom. Look to the person next to you, whether you're online, in or, or here in Voorhees, say, I think it's important. None of y'all did it. That's how important it is. Look to the person that you kind of said it to again and say, I think it's important. 
It's important. But I get it. But I get it. I'm not going to get mad at you because the word kingdom is just kind of weird, right? You know, the closest thing we know about kingdom is the animal kingdom in Disneyland, right? That's the closest thing we know, all right? And, and, but I get it because language is funny. Like, things don't translate well. And especially, like, we were just in Mexico, so, like, I was dusting off the cobwebs in my brain, in my Spanish department in my brain, and I started speaking Spanish again. Come on. She likes that, right? Started speaking Spanish again, and I started getting a little better. People would come up to me automatically, assume that I'm Spanish, and I'm like, come on now. Latino del mundo, where you at? Right? I was ready, right? I was taking in Spanish food and then regurgitating Spanish words. I was doing all right. And then I remember this phrase that this lady said this phrase, and I haven't heard it in a really long time. And she says, and she says, a lo hecho, pecho. It's a phrase that Spanish people say, a lo hecho, pecho. Which means, because if you translate it exactly in English, it means this, to what is done, present your chest. That's exactly, if I translated it directly, that's what it means. To what is done, present your chest. Which is like, what the heck does that mean? What kind of folk parable is that, you know? Like, word of wisdom is that. And it basically just means that they say, whatever happens, happens. Just brace yourself to what's about to come. That's what it means. We, we, languages is funny. We just don't understand. You know, if you could take some time right now and just think about how to explain things to people that aren't normally from our culture. You know what I mean? The other day, I mean, a couple years ago, I had to explain to a, a foreign individual what was a mummer. Do you understand how weird I sounded after I started explaining that? Well, it's a bunch of drunk people that get together on New Year's Eve. They practice, and then on New Year's Day, they wake up early in the morning, and they're dancing around with makeup on. Why? I don't know. It's the Mummer's Day Parade. Welcome to Philly. Right? Some of you are like, no, it's more than that, Pastor Mike. I know, but in the moment, I didn't have the words to figure it out, right? I didn't have the words to explain it. Or, like, can you imagine, even when it comes to language, you know, Imagine explaining to an alien some of the words that we use, right? John, explain to him. Okay, like, let, t- explain to me what's the difference between cool and hot. Oh, okay. Cool is when the temperature's really low. You know, it's frigid. It makes you shiver. And hot is when it's, like, really warm. And, and that's the difference. Okay. But then they walk, and they hear somebody do, uh, you know, say a slang term. Yo, that's hot. Is the temperature high? No, the temperature's not high. That means it's a good thing, okay? It's kind of two different meanings, okay? Okay, that's, okay, cool. And then over here, they hear somebody else go, oh, that's cool. Oh, that means the temperature's really low. No, no, that means it's still a, a good thing. That's still a good thing. Okay, so hot and cool means the same exact thing. No, not in regards to science, but in regards to slang, yes, it means the same exact thing. Do you understand how confusing that is? if you start explaining that to people outside of our context. So why am I wasting your time explaining all this? Because I think the word kingdom needs to be broken down in that kind of way. The word kingdom needs to be broken down in that kind of way because we're not used to kings. We, 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 when it comes to a kingdom, you don't have a choice who the king is. When it comes to government, we vote them in. So we don't have an understanding of that. When it comes to a king, we, we, we just, we don't function 
that way. Even if I'm honest, like even in England, I was talking to some British people and it's like, it's all just a paper thing. They don't really listen to the king or the queen. It's, it's all about what parliament's saying or what parliament's doing and that kind of stuff. The real power is in parliament. And so we still don't understand what does it mean to be under that type of authority. So, so then Jesus comes and he talks about this thing called the kingdom of God, which is very foreign to even to the people he was talking to, because in their head, they were thinking of a, a man with, with a, a lot of riches, property, guards, army, that kind of stuff. But he talked about the kingdom of heaven. He talked about the kingdom of heaven. And so when we talk about kingdom, I heard a lot of people trying to break down, what does that mean, the kingdom of heaven? Because it doesn't, he's not talking about a physical kingdom. He's talking about something that, that surpasses that. I've heard one person say it's about his realm and his reign. Write that down. It's about his realm and his reign. Again, two words that we don't normally use, but when I say his realm, it's like where, where he is and his reign is that where he is in charge. So it's his realm and his reign. I heard another person say it's his dwelling and his domain. Bars. All right? So it's his realm or his reign or his dwelling or his domain. And the crazy thing, he's not talking about a territory. Because if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he says the kingdom of God is near or the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here and it's coming all at the same time. So that means we need to break our mindset out of the fact that it's not a physical place because he also said the kingdom of God is in you. But when he talks about reign and dominion, that means that he is in charge. He's in charge. Now, this is where it gets a little honest. From a scale of one to 10, one meaning no control and 10 meaning he has all authority, rate God's dominion and authority right now in your life. No condemnation, just rate it. Rate his dominion and authority in your life. And when I say authority, that means like he, he has every, every say in every department of my life. When I'm deciding what to eat, I consult the Lord. When I'm deciding should I have an omelet or scrambled eggs, I consult the Lord. That's a 10. Now, that's kind of silly, but I'm talking about you, when, when you want that job, you consult the Lord. Let's talk about some serious things. When, when, when you're about to tell this person off, before you do it, you consult the Lord. That's high dominion, high reign. But a three, a four, it's like I, I kind of consult him afterwards. How was that? I shouldn't have dropped the F-bomb right there, right? That was not, nah, nah, not very Christian to me. Low reign. Or does he have high reign? Because here's the deal, and write this down. This is probably the most important phrase that you're going to hear in this entire series, and it's this. The kingdom of God should be our reality. The kingdom of God should be our reality. And here's why I'm going to get a little teachy. Y'all ready? I don't care, y'all ready. <laughs> Doing it anyway. 
Watch this in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God told Adam and Eve, he said this, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And watch this, remember dwelling and dominion? Watch this. And he says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. Let them have dominion. Crazy that when we're under his dominion, he gives us dominion over everything that's under us. Now, fast forward a couple chapters later, we get to the fall of man, right? Chapter 3, and watch what happens. Starting at verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say to you, you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, that's in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil, which was a lie right from the get-go because they were already like God. Because God said, let us make man in our image. And he gave them dominion. Now watch this. So she took of the fruit and ate, and then she gave to her husband and, and who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together because they knew they were ashamed. So here, what happened? Some people might say, well, the fall was inevitable because of humanity, and I get that. But I think the fall actually happened because we forgot about our dominion. Because chapters before, he gave them dominion over every creepy thing that creeps upon the earth. You know, there's nothing creepier than a serpent. Anybody like snakes? I hate snakes. I'd rather face a thug in an alleyway than to deal with the snake. That's just me. And especially in New Jersey, around where I live right now, they have something called black racers. And I know they're not poisonous, but those suckers are fast and they're of the devil. but I don't like him. But I have to remind myself, I have to remind myself of Genesis 1.26. He says, he is, I literally walk into my backyard, he is giving me dominion over every creepy thing that creeps, creep. He has given me that dominion. And I think the reason, so, so that's all cute and all, and that, that works great in Sunday school when they teach you about Adam and Eve and the fall and all that other stuff. But I still think as humans, we continue to fall when we don't take dominion. We continue to fall, we continue to fail, we continue to fall short when we forget about taking dominion. We can have dominion over those negative thoughts. Come on, wake up, people. We can have dominion over depression. We can have dominion over all the haters in the world right now, right? We can have dominion over any attack, right? You do have dominion. You have dominion over anxiety, people. And we fall because we don't take dominion. We just don't. And we serve a God that has all authority. Write this down in, in Matthew 3, 1 to 2. He says this, in, the, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness. Watch what he says. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
The reason we want to do it better, listen, we, the great part is that we're not, trying to ser- we're not trying to serve the king to gain his favor. We serve the king because we have his favor. Some of y'all need to hear that. Because religion will teach you that you got to earn his love and you got to earn his favor. No, no, no. We're repenting because the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he is the king. And before he left in, in, in Matthew 6, I'm sorry, b- before he left in Matthew 28, he said this. He goes, all authority, watch this, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Well, listen to me. He, has give, he is authority, and he has given us his authority. An old school preacher would say it this way. In order for me to get over what God put under me, I got to get under what God put over me. In order for me to get over what God put under me, I need to get under what God put over me. What did he put over me? His authority. What did he put over me? His peace. What did he put over me? His provision, his healing, who he is. That is what he's put over me. So if you feel you're having a hard time getting over something, maybe it's because you're not under the right thing. Can I get a big amen today just to show me you're awake and alive? So the only way, and listen, right now, you don't have to raise your hand, but there's a lot of people here that are struggling with anxiety, right? Struggling with anxiety. Just, you don't have to raise your hand, but just look me in the eyeballs, even online, and just nod your head. You struggle with anxiety. This is for all of you who are struggling with anxiety. I need you to write this down, that the only way, the only way to understand your authority what you need in regards to this issue of anxiety, the only way to understand your authority is to believe in his authority and be under his authority. The only way to understand your authority. Some of you are like, oh, that sounds really, all the super Christians, put your cape away for a second. Because you're like, that sounds really arrogant, talk about your authority. I'm just preaching what Jesus is preaching. We're going to later on in the series talk about, he says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bound on earth will be bound on earth, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. This is, this is, I'm giving you that authority. He says, all authority I'm giving you. I will endue you with power through my Holy Spirit. And I think at times, like, you could be humble and still be prideful at the same time. Sometimes you could be prideful about your humility, Christians. But we got to understand, what is he teaching us? That, that, that some of us that we're dealing with stress, we're dealing with anxiety, maybe because you don't understand your authority over those things. And to understand your authority, you must believe in his authority and be under his authority. And that's the difference. Let me talk to the people who right now who are fragile people. You don't believe in his authority. So we need to work on belief. Because out of the belief, then you can live under his authority. But apathetic people, you believe in his authority. You're just not under his authority. You're just not under his authority. And, and when your life goes unchecked, that's when we become selfish. Are y'all getting anything today? That's when we become selfish. So the fall came in because we did not take dominion. We did not take 
dominion. There's a story, and that was a big intro to the series, but there's a story today that I want to live in in Matthew 16. And this is Jesus talking with authority at the time, before his crucifixion. And picking up on verse 13, watch this. It says, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, my boy Pete. Love my boy Pete. Pedro, you are the Christ, he said, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. He heard this from heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't know about you, but that does not sound fragile to me. It just doesn't. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And this, this is the big thing. This is the authority point. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Say authority. Authority. You have authority. And authority is necessary in order for us to shake off whatever the heck we're dealing with today. You need that authority. And why is authority important? I got three points, the holy trinity of points. First point is this. Authority is required for freedom. Authority is required for freedom. Can I be honest with you with some of my concerns right now with society? I'm going to sound like an old fart, but that's okay. You forgive me already? I think if you watch, just be cautious. I am completely against abuse of any authority. I'm completely against spiritual abuse. I'm completely against people using power not to serve people. I'm completely against it all. But unfortunately, what humanity does is that we love to just go to extremes and we swing the pendulum always. We just constantly swing the pendulum. In order to accommodate something, we, we just create this other dysfunction all the way on the other side of it. And what I'm watching right now is that people are, are making the declaration that all authority is oppressive. All authority is oppressive. And it's like, let's... Let's just create consensus and let's vote on everything because all authority is oppressive. And can I, just got to be a person of scripture right now. I have to be a person of scripture. And the Bible does not say all authority is oppressive. And yes, there have been some people that have abused their authority, but, but I think it's because we forgot about our authority and we forgot about his authority. All authority cannot be oppressive. It can't. And what we do is that we judge a teaching because they're like, oh, here we go. Be careful, Pastor Mike. Don't preach on you because it's kind of self-serving because you're the authority here at Fervent Church and all this other stuff. We don't throw away a teaching based on how people abused it. 
You cannot throw away a teaching based on how people abuse it. Because if not, you could abuse anything, right? And so people nowadays are like, make sure that, you know, the pastor doesn't get too popular. Make sure that the pastor doesn't make that much money. Make sure that this, make sure that that. And, we, and can I remind you that, like, because nowadays we see, like, celebrity pastors fell, another pastor fall, fell, and all this other stuff. Broke pastors cheat on their wives, too. Pastors that no one knows their names, they struggle with morality, too. We think that sin only exists up here? Come on, people. And what we do is we say, well, let's make sure that there's no authority. And we, let's, we just build consensus over everything. But let me remind you that, that authority didn't build the golden calf in the Old Testament. Consensus did. Consensus did. When Moses was up listening to his authority, God, the people got together and like, hey, we, we're, they got, because consensus leans on comparison. So they started comparing themselves to other nations and like, well, other nations have, have big monuments about their gods. Let's build the God of our, our own and we built the golden calf and let's worship that golden calf. That's what consensus does. We need authority for freedom. Because people in authority can set us free. And we have to understand that because we're free today because authority set us free. Consensus did not set you free. Authority set you free. Hello? Authority set us free. And, and, but, but what we do is that now we're saying, okay, let's be rebellious. Let's be rebellious against all authority because authority has hurt you before. And I'm sorry about that. But listen to me. There is no freedom being rebellious in the kingdom of God. And, and I know society, he's given the best. Rebellious people start revolutions. Rebellious people do good things. Maybe put away your Enneagram 8 for a second. Right, that's the challenger, right? Yeah. Put away your Enneagram 8 for a second and just recognize that, okay, I'm not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I need authority for freedom. Number two, authority is actually required for peace. Authority is required for peace. Jesus says, this peace I give to you. Who does he think he is to tell us that he's giving us peace? I'll tell you who he is. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. In fact, the Bible actually says he's the prince of peace. Ooh, if this was a Pentecostal church, y'all be going nuts. He's the prince of peace. He's royalty over peace. And I like the fact that they didn't say he's the king of peace. He's the prince of peace. That means that he has authority and he's young enough to still show it off. That was a joke. Tough crowd. But he's the prince of peace. And, and, and again, going back to this fragility segment, is that we need this authority to have this peace and have peace in all things. Have peace in all things. Even peace while we're getting challenged. Now, let me talk to some of the fragile people. Because right now, like, if you hold on to your fragility, let me tell you something. We talked about on the Peak Report that people said that they struggled with growing personally. And here's, here's my, my caution when it comes to that. You're only going to grow when you step out of your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing grows there. And the only way to get pushed out of your comfort zone is to allow yourself to be challenged. And everyone, even myself, 
I hesitate challenging a fragile person. And some of us were holding on really tight to the victim card. Woe is me. And this, listen, this is why I didn't want to preach this message, because I know some of us are going through some stuff. And you have the right to hold on to that victim card. But just know that it's incredibly difficult to hold the victim responsible for anything. It's incredibly difficult to challenge the fragile. So you have a choice. You could hold on to your victim card or you can grow. That's up to you. You have a choice. You could remain fragile or you could allow yourself to be challenged and grow. And, and the reason why this is really important because I think American Christianity has gotten really fragile and it's resulted in consumerism. And I'm just going to keep it 100 with y'all, that people have been saying, well, when are you going to go back to weekly services? When are we going to do this? When are you going to do that? And then I ask, hey, are you willing to volunteer? No, no, I'm still growing through some stuff. I want you to just put this together for me so I could come and, and get my church on and then go back to buy stuff. That's consumerism. And I've watched people, if I'm honest, I've watched people go, well, if you're not going to give me weekly services, if you're not going to give me specific Bible studies, I'm just going to go to another church. And here's the problem. A new church will never fix an old you. A new church will never fix an old you. And it's consumerism. And that, my friend, is not kingdom. Because kingdom isn't about customers. Kingdom is about family. Kingdom is about family. So if I'm inviting you over to my business as a customer, then I'm providing everything for you and making sure that you have the top experience. If I'm inviting you over to my house as a family, you better bring some dessert. Come on. And if your name is Dolores Santiago, you better bring some rice and beans. You better bring some patelillos. Come on. You better bring some hot sauce. Bring something. If you're white and I invite you to my house, you better bring some mac and cheese. I'm kidding. Right? Why? Because that's family. And family takes care of family. Consumerism has no place in the kingdom of God. No place in the kingdom of God. And some of you, you're not finding peace in your consumerism, and I wonder why. Because authority requires us to see and feel and experience peace. But if we're not living under that authority, and you're just consuming, you know what? Who, you know the old saying, the customer is always... So who's the authority? So who's the authority? You are when it comes to consumerism. When it comes to family, who's the authority? Daddy. 
Come on. Daddy. Daddy's the authority. And I know some of y'all are like, oh, you're that daddy God kind of church. <laughs> no, we're not the daddy God kind of church. But we're more interested, we're more interested recently in a gospel that gives us comfort rather than a gospel that disrupts us. And my challenge to us is that let the gospel disrupt us. Just like that phone is disrupting my message right now. I'm teasing. It's one of our worship team members, isn't it? Yeah, you're fired. Ain't it good that we're family? Because you don't fire family, right? You wish you could fire your cousin, but you can't. You're, not, you're no longer my cousin. <laughs> no, we're family. Let's get rid of consumerism. And so my challenge to us is this, like, hey, if God's going to be authority, if God's going to be Lord of all, stop treating church, his church, as if it's a business that you come and go whenever you please, that we're going to participate and no longer spectate. So we're going to go to the weekly services, and uh, I challenge you to come on next week because it's going to be different. It's actually, we're building a system that, that actually, like, y'all said you wanted personal growth. We're going to give it to you. And so the service is going to be highly participatory, that you have to do something. It's not just going to be this pretty worship team singing for you. You're going to do something. So if you want to stay in your fragility, you want to stay in your apathy, you want to stay in your selfishness, then stay home on those Sundays. But if you want to grow in the most loving way possible, I challenge you to come on out and don't spect we're not going to spectate anymore. We're going to participate because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Number three, authority is required for stability. Authority is required for stability. Things are real unstable right now, right? Like, literally, I came home from Mexico and we went, Hurricane Ida came through, messed up some things. Got a bunch of refugees in our area that we're trying to love, military people that we're trying to love, people dying of COVID. It's crazy. And, like, I don't know about you, but forgive me, but I'm just going to be real with you. Like, because of COVID, I kind of forgot about cancer. Anybody forgot about cancer? And then all of a sudden cancer was like, hey, I'm still here too. And so there's a lot to pray for. We're, we're, we, we need God for stability. We do. We need God for stability. And I use the term stability because I could have used the churchy term like we need his healing and we need his provision and all of that stuff. But like it's his stability, right? Just like let me know what's up. Let me know what's leveled, what's centered. Like I just need to feel stable right now. Am I the only one? It's really unstable right now. So I asked God, how do we get there? I know we can't get there overnight, but how do we get there? He said, my kingdom. When he taught us how to pray, you heard it in the intro video. When he taught us how to pray, he says this, our Father who is in heaven. Now, when I used to pray that, I used to think heaven was just so far away. But heaven isn't 
far away because the kingdom of heaven is inside of us. It's, it's close, it's at hand, it's near. So our Father, authority in the family, who's right here with us, his name is holy and it should be revealed. And this is what he asks us to pray for, right? And it's not a script, right? Anybody who's a recovering Catholic like myself, like it's not a script. It's not something that we just pray to make sure that we're okay with God. But it's something that he wanted us to long for. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. What is heaven? Heaven is our home. Heaven is where I have my citizenship. So we're not going to gain stability from, from the argument between Republican and Democrats. We're not going to gain stability on whether you fall on the vaccinated side or the unvaccinated side. We're not going to gain stability by any other means other than thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not putting my faith in an American culture. I'm putting my faith in a kingdom culture. And I ask you to do the same because then, then folks, we will be closer and closer to our true stability. And when we have that understanding and when we have the understanding that God is the supreme authority, when I worry about things, which we all do, when I'm anxious about things, which we all get anxious, we could sit there and consider things in regards to the kingdom. Yes, that is stress out. Yeah, that is, that is a, a stress point in our current reality. But in the kingdom reality, death, where is your sting? In the kingdom reality, I might, my enemy might be on all sides, but I still have victory. That's not being fake. That's not being plastic. That's not being a super Christian. That is being kingdom. That's what we need to lean on more than anything. That is your survival tool. It's the kingdom of God. And it's not gonna be represented in a crown or a throne or anything like that. It's going to be represented inside your hearts and how you approach life and how you could experience victory here, right now. Stand up wherever you are if you need to experience victory right now. Sung this song earlier called Touch of Heaven. desperate for a touch of heaven as well. And so our goal is for all of us, we're going to grow personally. And the cool part is, again, with the peak report, we're going we're gonna to grow personally. And watch this, we're going to grow in loving community. And as we grow in loving community, we're creating this us, this powerful us, so that we could reach them and have a solid mission focus. And while we're doing that, we're doing that because of the kingdom. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray over all of us and, and those in Sewell right now and those watching online. 
we're going to pray for his kingdom to start right here in us. So bow your head and close your eyes and let's pray together. Don't just spectate, participate. If you have to whisper along with me, talk to your father. He's not just my God, he's your God too. So Father, right now we come to you asking you to teach us to live under your authority. There is no condemnation in you. In a world that's questioning scripture, in a world that's trying to devalue faith and religion, God, help us not get carried away in the storms of doubt that are surrounding us, God. But help us stay anchored in the kingdom. And the lie right now that's coming across some of our heads like, yeah, but if I really gave God all authority in my life, that means I'm gonna have no fun, there's no more fun, there's no more joy, and that's a lie from the pit of hell. He will give us fullness of joy he will give us life and life more abundantly. So we ask together. Everybody right now, whisper it together. Say, thy kingdom come. Come on, together. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. Begin the process, Lord, teaching us more about your kingdom. And we ask this in Jesus' name.